we are finishing up. Some of you might be relieved, but we are finishing up today with our series on the Magnificent Seven. And basically, we've been taking a look at the seven I am statements, the seven I am statements that Jesus said about himself and recorded in the book of John. So we've got a quick list over here, and notice how, how basically every one of the statements that Jesus made about himself uh, makes reference to life in some way. He said, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the light that leads to life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 15, it talks about how he is the grapevine, and, and the whole essence of that story is that we can only find life as we remain in him. So as we stay connected to him in a relationship and he stays connected to us, we will produce life. We will produce fruit. And so today we're actually mostly gonna be looking at the last one, which is the good shepherd. But in the same passage, it also makes reference to how Jesus is the gate. He is the gate to uh, the, the, the sheepfold, as it were. So this is found in John chapter 10. And even there, this idea of, of the gate, Jesus is saying, I'm the only way to find life. So if you come through me, so he's saying, everyone that comes over the edges, like they're not from God. If you come through the gate, again, it's almost similar to the way, the truth, and life. If you come through the gate, you'll find life. And he actually offers uh, people that come in through him protection, provision, and security. So salvation, um, satisfaction. In fact, he says that, that, that he will lead us to, to posture. But what I want to take a look at mostly today is this idea that he is the... Good shepherd. He's not a shepherd, he is the shepherd. He's not just a shepherd or the shepherd, he's the good shepherd. And just before I get into the actual passage from the Bible, it's interesting to note how many times the Bible actually makes reference to various animals. Um, cattle are referred to 131 times throughout the Bible. Dogs, 41 times. Any dog lovers? Okay, like four of you. Okay. Eagles are mentioned 26 times. Do you want to know how many times cats are referred to in the Bible? None. They were a mistake. Okay? God never intended. <laughs> Craig Rochelle calls them the spawn of the devil. Anyway, uh, no, I'm joking. Don't tell my wife this, okay? So, <laughs> however, however, just forgive me if you're a cat lover. All right. However, sheep... And shepherds, someone crying, I'm sorry. God loves cats. Okay, maybe I won't do that in the next service. <laughs> he mentioned sheep and shepherds, however, 500 times. Okay, 500 times. <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh, I'm so sorry. God loves cats, everybody, okay? They're all right. They're okay. My family wants to get a cat, and I'm praying a lot for grace and mercy. Um, it's interesting, by the way, that you don't find wild sheep. In other words, sheep that are doing their own thing, you'll find wild boar, uh, even wild dogs. We know you'll find wild cats, okay? But, but you don't find wild sheep. Sheep, like sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need to be led. They, they, they are never doing their own thing. They can't help it. And so, and so the Bible's not trying to insult us when, 
when using this metaphor, but there is a sense to which every one of us needs a leader. Every sheep needs a shepherd. In fact, there was a story a few years ago in eastern Turkey in a village where a flock of sheep um, had their, their shepherd uh, absent, so their shepherd wasn't actually with them. And kind of one of the, the lead sheep, I guess he was, actually landed up running off of a cliff. What do you think the rest of the sheep did? They all followed and ran off the cliff. Like you'd think someone would say, hey, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe we should check what's on the other side of this, this bungee situation that everyone's jumping off of. Literally all of the sheep followed the first one and they, they ran over an edge. We all need a shepherd. And what's interesting is whether you realize it or not, we actually all have a shepherd. There are, there are many, many different shepherds. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, number one, you can just make a quick note. There are many shepherds. It's just that they're not all the good shepherds. So we may have um, our, our job as our shepherd. So, so we place our hope, uh, we place our faith, we place our future in this idea of, of our job or maybe Maybe social media or just the culture we live in where, where, where it keeps telling us or influencing us as to what we have to do or what we have to think or, or how we have to view ourselves. You may not realize this, but we are all following something. It's just not necessarily the right thing or the right person. Take a look at John chapter 10 verse 11. And if you are following with us, uh, on your version, you'll find, if you just go to events on the bottom right-hand side of the, the app, you can click on the event, just click on uh, View Church Mullington, and you'll find the notes and the, and the scriptures from today. So this is Jesus speaking in John chapter 10, verse 11, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. Again, in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. It's amazing to actually think that the, that the shepherd who wants us to trust him and to follow him has actually earned that trust, has actually earned that right by voluntarily laying his life down. So when we, so when we say that there are many shepherds, um, I think it's quite important for us to actually figure out just quite, you know, what the price is that they've been willing to pay to actually earn that trust, to earn that amount of faith. And again, I don't know if we slow down often enough to actually even take stock of, of which shepherd or shepherds it is that we're actually following. What is it that we're actually placing our faith in? In verse 1 of John chapter 10, again, Jesus is speaking, he says, I'll tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. In other words, false shepherds. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And so, and so he's saying, like, I am the gate, I am the shepherd, unless we, are, unless we are actually coming to him and finding our security in him, we are, without even meaning to sometimes, we're going to be following another Shepherd, we're going, to be, we're going to be pursuing some other avenue. And of course, the important question for us to ask ourselves is whether or not it's actually working out for us. A second idea is that all shepherds have an agenda. Every other shepherd actually has an agenda. And it may not be an evil agenda, but in many cases, you're a means to an end. 
even in the natural, the people that we'll maybe give ourselves to, um, the causes or the companies that we'll give ourselves to, there's an agenda. There's, there's, you're part of a bigger picture. You're, in many cases, you're going to be part of a means to an end. But greater than that, I believe that even spiritually, in the spiritual realm, we have an enemy, and I promise you he has an agenda. He, he has a plan. He, he, so, so what we think might just be some distraction or discouragement or just a little bit of conflict in our family or just another bit of discouragement in that marriage or, or, or we start to feel hopeless when it comes to our education and our career in the future, um, we may think, well, that, that's just what that is. But actually, in many cases, as part of a, a deeper agenda where you have an enemy who's actually wanting to take from you. He's wanting to steal from you. And I'm not saying that, that you can't give yourself diligently to a job or give yourself diligently to studies. I'm saying absolutely, in fact, I would do that. But don't ever make a good thing an ultimate thing. So don't ever take a job, a career, um, an educational path, a relationship. Don't make your boyfriend, which, and he may be a good thing, don't make this good thing an ultimate thing where you put all of your hope, all of your faith. It's actually not fair. It's not fair on an employer. It's not fair on a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. It's not fair to make your children your shepherd. It's not fair to put all of your hope and joy, to put all that into your kids and think that they're not going to disappoint you. If we're looking for fulfillment in our kids or if we're placing that desperate need for a savior in our education, if I can just get that degree, then maybe I'll get that job, then maybe I'll find peace, then maybe I'll be secure, it will disappoint you, and it's not even its fault. It's because we're expecting something that is just not fair to expect from a person or a part. Does this make sense? In uh, in chapter 10, verse 12, Jesus goes on again, and he says, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. You see, a shepherd has a different level of ownership. A shepherd is going to stand and fight for the sheep because you're his. Like, He's bought you. He, he cares about you. He's going to fight against, in this case, in, in the Middle East, in those times, against the bear or the wolf or, or whatever that predator is. He would literally put his life on the line, which is what Jesus has done for us, by the way. And so, and so if you're a hireling, some of you know that, that if you're just employed and you're getting paid a you know, minimum wage per hour, you're not going to risk your life for some money, right? But if you're a parent and it's your kid and you love your kid, and understand what I mean when I say you, you own your kid, like, like they're yours. I don't mean you own them in an unhealthy way. I mean, I mean they're yours. You're going to literally lay your life down. So, so again, some of you have, have rented cars before, right? Maybe you've traveled and you've rented a car before. There's a pretty good chance that you've driven that car a little bit differently to the way you drive your own car. There's a reason why we have the cliche, rev it like a rental, all right? Um, and, maybe you've, and maybe you've rented a 4x4 four four before and you've taken it into some you know, interesting areas and you don't care how much it's getting scratched or what's happening because it's not your car. There's, there's a big difference between ownership and, and just you know, being a hireling. And I, the picture I'm trying to get across to you this morning is that, is that Jesus, as our good shepherd, he's not a hireling. He has literally laid his life down in, in order to, to purchase our forgiveness and the reconciliation of a relationship with God. 
Verse 8 and 9 says, All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. All I'm trying to say to you is that this shepherd who is also the gate, he offers protection and he's trying to lead us into a rich and satisfying life. A third idea is that there's only one good shepherd. There's only one good shepherd that can actually be trusted. In verse 14, again, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. He goes on in verse 17 to say that the father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back up again. No one, look at this, can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I just want to, I just want to point out for a moment because maybe you haven't heard this before. But Jesus' life wasn't taken from him. Jesus gave his life. So 2,000 years ago, when he was arrested, falsely accused, and eventually crucified, his life wasn't taken from him. When one of the guys that was standing on the cross next to him uh, mocked him and said, like, surely you can call down the angels, and surely you can rescue us as well, he was, actually, he was actually right. He just didn't know it. He was saying it in a mocking tone, but he was actually correct. Jesus could have got off the cross at any point. He voluntarily lay his life down for the sheep. I'm just telling you, no one's lining up to lay their lives down for me. It doesn't matter how much you like me or love me or or, or anything like that. I don't have a queue of people lining up to lay their lives down for me. Jesus is the only person who has ever voluntarily put his life, like like he didn't just risk it, he, he actually laid it down. He gave his life voluntarily so that we could find life through relationship with the Father. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. All I'm trying to encourage you with is that if we're gonna trust anyone, if we're gonna follow anyone, because you are trusting someone or something and you are following something or someone, whether it's your intellect, whether it's, whether it's our culture, whether it's your family, friends, enemies, frenemies, employees, employers, whatever. We're all following someone. We're all looking to someone or something. I'm saying if we're going to follow someone, if we're going to trust someone, let's make it the person who voluntarily lay his life down for us. Number four, our good shepherd, and I love this, leads us to life. He leads us to life. Everything about Jesus is life. I actually saw a beautiful picture yesterday where a few of us were, were at a little Christmas party with, with Steve and Lindy Dick, and they had one of these pinatas. You, you know, I, don't, I guess it's made from cardboard and, and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, it's an animal. So in this case, it was a horse. should have been a cat maybe, but it was a horse. And, uh, and it has all these sweets inside the thing. And so I'm sure you've seen this or you've participated before where you have to you know bash this thing repeatedly and then eventually it breaks open and all of the it's pretty cool actually if you think about the whole imagery of this but anyway it's 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 eventually all the sweets come out of this thing and so the kids get to have sweets so there are quite a few kids um ranging from about two the age of two to about four two years old three years old and four years old and so obviously their parents had told them um that there are a bunch of sweets in this, in this little piñata. And so when they said, okay, it's time for the piñata and we're gonna take part in this whole thing, all the kids literally lined up under this, under this horse with, with their hands open like this. Like, 
like they didn't connect the dots that you first have to beat this thing up, etc. And by the way, the moms took it to town. They went boss. All these very sweet, gentle, passive-aggressive mothers went crazy as they, I mean, Charisse, Charisse was almost taking people's eyes out behind her. She was trying to open up this horse. Um, but I love, I love this picture of expectancy. It, like there, there wasn't insecurity. There was no doubt. Someone they trust told them that their sweets in this thing. They're like, okay. And this is what's interesting is that when you realize how trustworthy God is, who God is, how good God is, I'm telling you that you'll realize that when we come into his presence, we come to life. I'm not saying that you'll get everything you want. There's a big difference. I'm not, you don't become the master and him the servant. You don't get to manipulate him. He's not a genie in a bottle. You don't get to rub the Bible a few times and, 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 and ask for three wishes. No, no. But, but, but when we trust him, then we even start to trust his nose. We even start to trust his delays. Not his nose, Samantha Eagle. His, his no, N-O, apostrophe S. We start to trust when he says no. We start to trust when he says not now. But there's this expectancy. Because we know that our good shepherd always, he's always only ever leading us to life. He's never not leading us to life. And when we get angry at him, it's because we're wanting to go a different route and we don't realize that we're trying to go away from life. And he's saying, actually, there's life through that pain. There's life through that wall. Psalm 23 verse 4 talks about how, how even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil for you are with me, you are beside me, your rod and your staff, they lead me and comfort me. So God, there is life through what I'm going through right now. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you need to hear that even in the midst of pain or disappointment or a delay, is it possible that, that if we'll just keep following him, we can have this attitude of expectancy that we cannot draw close to the good shepherd and not find life. John 10 verse 10 says that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. And by the way, I wanna even emphasize that even your approach to Christianity can just be another religion. It can just be another list of do's and don'ts, another way to get what you want from God without getting God. Where we don't want the Father, we want the Father's things. That's religion. Religion is where I think, okay, if I do, then you must. That's, that's religion. Make no mistake, you don't have to be part of another religion or another cult or another sect you can be in Christianity, in inverted commas, and actually be separated from God because all you're doing is trying to follow just, just a, a list of things without being willing to actually connect to the source of life. And that is why it is only through a relationship with the good shepherd. That's what he was saying in John 15 where he says, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the grapevine. He's saying, unless you, it doesn't matter how close you are to the vine, you can, be, you, can be, you can be a millimeter away, but unless you are connected to the vine, unless you are in relationship, but if we are in relationship, he wants to lead us to a rich and satisfying life. Some of you are familiar with Psalm 23, um, and I love kind of this 
for, for me, this is in my words, a summary of Psalm 23, which is a psalm all about him being our good shepherd. He leads us to rest. The question is, will we follow? He leads us to renewal or restoration, depending on the, the version that you're reading. Again, will we follow? He leads us along right paths. Will we follow? He leads us through rough patches. That's verse four, leading us through the valley. He leads us through rough patches. Will we follow him through the rough patches? Because that's where most of us want to abandon ship. Because this isn't what we signed up for. I thought like if I do this Jesus thing or this church thing, like everything will just be magical. No, no, will we follow him through the rough patches, through the valleys? He prepares a feast in the middle of the fight. Some of us are so caught up in the fight, in the battle, in in the presence of our enemies is what the Bible says in verse 5. We're so caught up in the presence of our enemies that that we're distracted from the fact that God is actually still preparing a feast. He's still sustaining us even in the midst of the battle that you might be going through. And then, of course, verse 6 promises that goodness and love or goodness and mercy, depending on the version that you're reading, will pursue us. Like, like it's. I mean, I remember hearing someone say many years ago that it's almost like these two little dogs, where it's like goodness and mercy, goodness, like just, just like chomping at your feet, like goodness, mercy, goodness, mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. This is the life that the good shepherd is trying to lead us into. He leads us to life. I want to encourage you to be expectant. I want to encourage you to be like a two-year-old or a three-year-old that's been told that, that there's something lacquer in the horse that we're going to beat up. You know? and, and, okay, guys, let's be expectant that there is always life. And lastly, number five, we choose which shepherd we're going to follow. And I think the part that confuses so many of us is that God won't actually force us to follow him. And so I think sometimes we're waiting for him to force us. I think sometimes we're waiting for him to beat us because that's how we were brought up perhaps. So if we don't do what we have to do, well, we'll we'll get punished so that we do what we have to do. And it's almost this Pavlovian response, this this thing of like, like learned behavior where, well, unless I'm suffering, I'm not being forced, I'm not being manipulated, I'm not being pressured. God's not gonna manipulate you ever. In fact, the Bible says that manipulation is the same as witchcraft. It's not going to manipulate you. It's not going to beat you up. It's not going to whip you into shape. He's going to keep extending an invitation to life. And we have to choose whether or not we're going to follow. We have to choose whether or not I'm going to trust and obey. And that's, that's a very interesting journey. But it is a journey. Let me encourage you. So don't be discouraged if you're not finding it easy to trust and obey just off the bat. It's a journey. You develop, you grow in your faith. You grow in your level of trust as you learn to trust and obey. Perhaps the verse, and the worship team can come on up, the verse that actually probably stood out to me the most um, as I was going over this passage again and again and again and again is found towards the last part of verse three, where again, Jesus is saying, I'm the gatekeeper. Sorry, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice. And come to him. And then look at this. He calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. He calls them by name. 
And as I, was, as I was thinking through this and preparing this, I was wondering, I wonder what names we've been called. I wonder what um, identity has been given to us. I wonder how many lies we've believed because of what others have called us. So others might call you lazy, too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too clever, too stupid, an attractive personality, an unattractive person. There's so many different spins on, and again, that's because there's an enemy that has an agenda, and most of his agenda, I believe 90% of his agenda is achieved through words, through what people have said to you, through the lies that we have believed. And I want to encourage you today, this first Sunday of December 2018, that you have a good shepherd who calls you by name. And the reason that we might not be recognizing it is because we're not used to hearing that name. When he calls someone beautiful, you're like looking around. Or bold and brave or, or, or powerful or with the potential to influence others. You're kind of looking, you know, it just doesn't even register. It's like when you're in a crowded room and you hear some name that you never heard before, your ears don't even prick up because you're not used to hearing your true name being called, your true identity being called. I'm saying to you this morning that you have a good shepherd who knows your name. So you have an enemy who knows your shame, but you have a good shepherd who knows your name. And I just wonder if you'd be willing, just for a moment, to maybe even ask God, just God, is there something that you've been trying to call out in me that I just haven't slowed down enough to even hear that? 